Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. This is Outlandish Zicky Dice, and you're listening to the All Night Long Podcast. All Night Long It's the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. With the Enforcer. I believe they're called Enforcers, Gordon. I sell women's shoes. And the Stallion. Stallion, baby! I am not what you would call a handsome man. I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it. All night welcome back to another edition of the uh you know my long wrestling podcast he's your host he's the stallion i'm uh i'm the enforcer we're back here for uh Another episode, man. Another, uh, another. Th- well, why, why are you shaking your head? Why? In, this is the first time I think at this hour in the morning that I'm more awake than you. I blame, uh, I blame the fact. I, okay, so it's mainly my job, but also my job prevented me from watching NXT last night. So I had to wake up early this morning to watch NXT. And I'm up early all the time, Joe. But the first thing I do every morning is have one to one and a half to two giant heaping scoops of pre-workout. Today, I haven't done that. So I've been up for over two hours with zero pre-workout. However, that's where Total War comes in. Redcon 1, I've been using them for quite some time. And actually, this is a tiger's blood, if you're wondering what the flavor is. So tiger's blood is, um, I believe some sort of pineapple. I'm not really sure, but I've been championing Redcon one for quite some time and they have a deal on their website now. Not that I get sponsored for fucking anything, but it's 60 bucks for three of them. You can't beat that buddy. Can't beat that. Plus, uh, Brian Cage and Kenny Omega use Redcon one. So it's good enough for them. It's good enough for me. I'm trying to go over here and put that. That's one scoop, right? Looks like one. That's one. It's a heaping, it's a heaping scoop, and uh, frankly, that entire um, description is wildly frightening to me on this end. But I'm not gonna, which, you know, which part? Which part of the description? Um, you, the something called Total War, I guess, uh, and then yeah, by a supplement company, Redcon One, yeah. Tiger Tiger's Blood flavor, which somehow equates to pineapple. I uh, I guess I'm just not familiar with what Tiger's Blood actually 
would taste like um, if you were to, to – so I don't – I mean, I'm just – it's just a lot of mysteries, I guess, for me. I'm a lot of unknown, as they I'm say. I'm about to say – actually, this is going to be the greatest infomercial for Redcon 1 you've ever seen because you're going to see live on air what Total War could do for you. So excuse the shaking. Giving a little shake, a little ice in there, a little cold water. And as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to work out. So I need energy, um, and it's going to be given to me. By Redcon One. Well, speaking good. Speaking of the podcast that we're doing, um, we're going to be talking about last night's Wednesday Night War, AEW Dynamite, and NXT from September the twenty third. We're recording this in the morning on September the twenty fourth, bright and early, as Mikey mentioned. Uh, so we're going to go down and uh, review each show and give our thoughts, and then eventually pick a winner at the end. So which show would Beverly, you like to Carolina Caveman? He won. He won everything. Which show would you like to start with, buddy? Um, but you know what? I picked last time. Why don't you pick this time? Right, we'll go with AEW because that seems to be the standard. All right. So. That's so good once it hits your lips. AEW Dynamite from September the 23rd from Daly's Place down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Opened up with a match, as they tend to do. Kip Sabian and the debut of Miro, the best man, versus Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Um. Yeah, so this was uh, Miro's debut in ring for AEW, and here, here's, my, here's my thoughts on this real fast, I guess, and then I'll turn it over to you. So Sabian and Miro won the match. Uh, Miro won with his camel clutch finisher, which is now called Game Over, a nod to his Twitch uh, stardom. And so, Wait, sorry, isn't Game Over Kenta's finisher? That's his. That's what he calls his uh, yes lock. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, it it is. It's sorry. Continue. Maybe. Yeah, that's fine. So um, the match itself, I felt. Here was my issue. My issue with the match. It was a little bit. It was, I felt as it was too long. Um, and that's not to be a disservice to Janela and Sunny Kiss. I just feel like in a debut match for Miro, who you know should be a pretty big star for them at some point that it should have been a little bit shorter, a little bit more of a dominant performance for them. And then as well, towards the end, the last few minutes got a little sloppy. I don't know if Miro actually had a legit leg injury at the end or not, but there were some spots that um, did not really work out so well towards the end and it got a little disjointed. So I was a little disappointed in the match itself. I was hoping for a little bit of a stronger in-ring debut for Miro. Yeah. As um, my better half, the natural would say, I felt the match was, clunky um and the other thing is i miro is when he walked out dude he is in the most amazing shape i've ever seen in his career so he's he got himself in great shape i think janella and sunny kiss were the wrong opponents for this match um i almost here's what i would have done here's monday morning quarterback here I would have had Kip Sabian and Miro wrestle a team from AEW Dark. And I would have had Kip Sabian stay on the outside the entire time and let Miro handle them two-on-one and just destroy both of them three minutes, four minutes tops. Um, I appreciate what they're trying to do in terms of uh, show that Miro can wrestle because he never really got a chance to put on matches like that in the WWE. But uh, what got him over is what got him over so let's kind of stick to the formula and i don't think he needs to be in a tag he doesn't seem like a very 
um, not competent, but he didn't seem as comfortable in tag matches um, clearly last night. There were a couple of botches. I think Kip Sabian almost died going like vertically neck first <laughs> down on the concrete. So, uh, and Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela, both of them, you know, I, not they looked a little out of sorts at some points in that match. And I think it was a disservice to Miro. So uh, I hope going forward we, we see less. I don't want to say we see less of the tag team, but we see more of a formula that's going to work for Miro. Because you're right, he should be a huge star very, very soon. Yeah, I think I was I was kind of operating under the idea when he debuted with Sabian that they would do something along the lines of a, uh, you know, he would be kind of like a Warlow to MJF or, you know, like a Diesel. I was going to say Christian, Christian Atomko. I don't know why I thought about that. but Yeah, a heater, right, as yeah. they say. And then uh, he would occasionally yeah. wrestle, you know, at the right time, <clears throat> at the right time and then eventually – he would split from Sabian and kind of do his own thing. So that's right. what I thought they were going to do. They did this instead. I think it was not um, the great debut for him. Agreed. Immediately after the match ended, however, Eddie Kingston stormed to the ring. Uh, Eddie Kingston now has a uh, AEW world title match on this show uh, because of some card changes due to Lance Archer's COVID diagnosis. Uh, he comes out, cuts out a fired up promo and calls out John Moxley. Moxley enters through the crowd and they have a brief stare off. Um, eventually broken up by officials to kind of just draw some interest in the main event for the evening. No problem. Give Eddie Kingston the microphone. Let him talk. Don't tell him what to say and have him call out Moxley. Sports entertainer. I'm no longer going to pronounce E's and R's together. I feel like that's what Eddie Kingston does, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The second match then is Adam Page versus Evil Uno. Um, So – I think that those, I guess the most interesting part of this was the fact that a Kenny Omega was on commentary once again, but more um, to the point, they added a kind of a, a nugget of information that this match could have been a tag team match, but Kenny Omega declined it and uh, it ended up being page versus evil Uno. So instead of being the, the dark order versus page and Omega, Omega declined a tag match because he's now a singles wrestler, as he likes to emphasize on commentary. Um, and Page fought Evil Uno one on one. I know the match was solid. Um, it seemed like a very, you know, a similar, a similar goal, I guess, from the week prior, where Page fought Frankie Kazarian, which was to get, you know, have a, a solid competitive match, and Adam Page to go over in the end. And um, that's what ended up happening here. Yep, I have no problems with it. Evil Uno is, I think, Evil Uno is like wildly underrated. Um, not saying he's, you know. Uh, a stud by any means, but I think he's more than competent in the ring. He excels in tag matches. And this was a perfectly fine one-on-one match with the right guy getting the win and just slowly building up Adam Page's credibility as a singles wrestler. It was good. Uh, Next, there was a backstage segment with uh, Matt Jackson and Tony Schiavone, which really just amounted to uh, Matt kind of being more heelish as he's, as the young bucks have been the last few weeks. And he, uh, smashed Tony Schiavone's phone up against the wall um, due to frustration when Tony mentioned FTR. So I guess the uh, turn of the Young Bucks or whatever you want to call it is uh, currently underway. Yeah, we're back to Mount Rushmore Young Bucks, and I think it's uh, cool, and I think it's a different wrinkle. And anything that gets Tony Schiavone like, made fun of and stuff, I'm, I, I, I applaud and I appreciate, much like the MJF and Chris Jericho segment coming up. So, yeah, I thought it was fine. And then he just threw money at him. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the next match was the uh, TNT Championship match. It's Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy. So um, 
you know, as usual, the, the Dark Order was outside the ring, um, you know, kind of on the stage watching as things went along. Eventually, they, they interfered, as they tend to do. Um, I thought the match was, was good. I uh, had a good closing sequence, I thought, where there were some near falls where you thought Orange Cassidy might actually win the title. Um, so the match was solid. I continued to enjoy the Brody Lee character uh, more than I did when he first debuted. The only thing I guess about this is that Cassidy had some momentum coming off of the Jericho feud. And I don't know that I would have suggested him losing this, you know, or putting him in this position to lose so quickly after that. But um, uh, the match itself I thought was, was good. And uh, we'll get to the post-match stuff in a moment. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. However, I'm torn because, right, like, if you have a champion and other guys win their matches to get a championship title shot and you don't want to take the belt off the champion, that's kind of what's going to happen, right? Like, you – they they win matches to face the champion, but they don't beat the champion. Um, I think Orange Cassidy is a guy that could probably lose every day for the next 365 days and nobody would care. But I thought um, – and you're right about the Brody Lee character, uh, the, the exalted one, the Mr. Brody Lee – in the beginning, it was kind of blob, but he's really transforming to the role. And I thought the uh, the opening sequence of this match was very funny as well. He just stepped on his foot and uh, elbowed him in the face after a little uh, little tap, tap. Uh, it was good. Um, Orange Cassidy, I think he looked strong in defeat. I mean, he put up a better he put up a better fight to Brody Lee than Cody did, and probably even better than Dustin did. So I think it was a, a good story, and I really liked the match. Speaking of Cody, after the match ended, he returned from a five-week absence on uh, AEW Dynamite with uh, dark hair and a dark suit. Uh, he uh, charged the ring, and uh, Brody Lee then left the area right to uh, escape, I guess, any sort of uh, fight or beatdown that he was going to have to endure. And Cody ended up beating up a member of the Dark Order and putting them in the figure four. Uh, after that, there was a backstage promo with Brody Lee, which reminded me of a uh, like a, an '80s WWF style or or even NWA style promo where there was an interviewer there and they just kind of stormed the set, got rid of the interviewer, and he took the microphone and just went on a crazy rant uh, about Cody. And uh, more or less, it ended with him challenging Cody to a dog collar match. So uh, he, uh, my favorite line was when he accused Brandy of posting thirst trap pictures. Really. Uh, Really good stuff. No, I'm listen. I'm in for the dog collar match. It's classic NWA. Um, I, I, I liked everything about this segment. I like Cody's return, getting rid of the blonde hair. Uh, Cody Dark. It was like when um, Jushin Liger went. Uh, I forget what they called him when he turned heel and he went like the full black thing. But totally cool. Um, I like Cody returning, and I like the fact that he got the shit kicked out of him, and he was off TV for five weeks selling the beatdown. And then Jim Ross doing a good job saying, we're not even sure if he's medically cleared to return. Like just selling the importance of the beatdown that he was given that got the dark order over. So really, really good segment. Next is a promo from Matt Hardy and private party. Uh, Matt Hardy was attacked the prior week by a quote masked assailant. So they're doing a little bit of a mystery angle there. He accused Chris Jericho of being the person to, Attack him. The inner circle comes out. Uh, they reintroduce Sammy Guevara after a few-week absence. Um, Jericho claims he did not attack Matt Hardy. And um, the segment basically ended with Isaiah Cassidy from Private Party challenging Chris Jericho to a match. 
this was in you know kind of set up by the prior week where Jericho and Hager beat Private Party, and then there was a uh, some an attack after the match um, well, with Jericho and and Private Party and all that stuff. So it looks like next week it's going to be Jericho versus Isaiah Cassidy from Private Party. Why don't you give us your thoughts and opinions on this one first? Well, I mean, I I think as a you know, it's something for Jericho to do right in between. Like he's going to be in the tag division now. They'll get him in a singles match the next week and see how he can work with Cassidy one-on-one. So that's fine. The only, I guess the one thing that I would have liked to see Santana and Ortiz selling some injuries from the prior week um, or, you know, something along those lines that that was something that I noticed along the way. I don't know where the Matt Hardy uh, mystery thing is going to go. I think some people thought it might be private party. I don't know if it's going to be somebody else. So I don't know. I think it's just, it's just, I think it's kind of a filler thing for these guys to do. And then for a couple of weeks, that's kind of my thought on it. I am not the biggest fan of private party. Um, and I don't, I, the thing is like, they're not, they're not comfortable and they're not good on the microphone clearly, but the only way they're going to get there is by trying, but along the way, it's going to suck. So that's kind of how I felt last night. I felt the whole thing was kind of flat. It didn't help when Matt Hardy jumbled up. Uh, the more things change, the more they say the same. And he's like, the less they, the less they say the same or something like that. I'm like, eh, that kind of went off the rails for me there. Um, I, I'm okay with the pairing of Matt Hardy and private part, Matt Hardy and private party. Sounds like a kid's rhyme. Um, and it, it's fine to me, but I just, just keep them away from the microphone and let them, I don't know, just, it's whatever. It gives Jericho something to do, him and Hager. I think maybe um, down the line we'll see Jericho and Hager going for the tag team titles and then Santana and Ortiz feeling some type of way. Maybe breaking off, enter Eddie Kingston. There's a lot of possibilities there. I like what I see down the line, but here, it's okay. I don't hate it, but I'm definitely not in love with it. Yeah, I thought when Hardy cut the promo, I guess it was – last week or the week before after yeah figured he was, he, he was gonna go away and heal up and then all of a sudden he's he's right back in the mix so anyway next up we have more promos more promos it's uh ftr and tully blanchard in the ring and the basis of this promo was that the ne- next week on dynamite they're gonna be facing scu they have instituted a rule where match on television now for the uh AEW tag titles is going to be 20 minute time limit. And if I think it's 20 minute brush with greatness, if I'm not mistaken, yep. what they call it. And if FTR sounds like college, right? <laughs> if SCU does not win the match, then FTR wins, which I guess is a way of saying that FTR gets the winner's purse, even as long as they don't lose the tag titles. Right. So <laughs> that's what I took out of that. So that's next week. And they talked about who their next opponent might be. The best friends are ranked number one in the uh, AEW tag team rankings. So um, they came out to try to challenge them to a match. They teased having a match right away. And then, of course, FTR went the heel route and decided that they were not ready to do that on this show and, uh, and left. So it looks like it's going to lead to best friends against FTR, either at the anniversary show or maybe the next pay-per-view, depending on how long they stretch out the storyline. I mean, that's classic NWA TV title, right? Like, if you don't defeat the champion within X amount of minutes, the champion retains. That's, that's how um, 
that's how it was done in the NWA on TV. So I, I, I like the idea if it gets us more um, FTR on television matches, which is kind of what I think the idea behind it is. I'm totally cool with it. I also like the idea of them calling out more than one team. Um, it gives you a little, a uh, couple more outs, if you will. So they brought up SCU. SCU wasn't anywhere, and they brought up the best friends, and the best friends came out. So it's a little bit more of a long-term booking. It's not just week to week. So I think it's cool. Tolly Blanchard's great. So Next, we have a women's tag team match. It's Ivelisse and Diamante versus Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida. Uh, Jim Ross had been building it up during the show as maybe the best women's tag match they've ever had scheduled in AEW history. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was not the best women's tag team match in AEW history. Um, what Shida, was the best women's tag match in AEW history? Not this one. I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure this was not it. Probably something with, uh, I don't know, Britt Baker and Nala Rose. Or any match from the women's tag team tournament was better. But that's fine. Sheeta and uh, Rosa got the win. Sheeta hit a shining wizard on Diamante for the win. Um, I just felt it was a little bit, match was a little bit disjointed itself. Um, you know, it seems like they're still kind of looking to potentially have another Sheeta and Rosa, you know, match down the line. It's, it, that's how, it's the direction it seems like it's going to me right now, unless I'm mistaken. So, Which is fine. Um, they had a good match. They'll, they'll have good matches. Thunder Rosa, I think I just read she defended the NWA title three times in six days, um, which is amazing considering the time of the COVID. Um, one of those defenses was against uh, a friend of the show, Lindsay Stowe, on Friday. Um, so she's not just defending it. You know, she's going all around, um, all around the world, really. And I think it was Mission Pro Wrestling, which is actually Thunder Rosa's organization in Texas. So... Good for her. I like seeing more of her on TV. I didn't. I wasn't sure when they first showed her on TV, like it was going to be a long-term thing more than a one-time thing. But it seems like, I'm not just trying to shill AEW here, but it seems like they really do listen to the fans, right? They brought her in. The fans rallied behind her. They signed her. The fans rallied behind Will Hobbs. They signed Will Hobbs. The fans rallied behind Serena Deeb, Eddie Kingston, and Tony Khan just Got that, as uh, Conrad Thompson would say, sweet, sweet Tony Khan money, and he just throws it around. So uh, that's, I mean, I, the problem is going to be with all these people that you're bringing on shows, you're running out of time, I think, on these shows. So um, you're, they said they were going to institute another um, show uh, weekly, or I'm sorry, an, a weekly one hour show before the end of the year or in the new year, as what Tony Khan said. And I, I think you're, uh, you're creeping up on time to do that because you, you're, there's a lot of people under the, uh, the AW banner. Yeah, probably a little too many at the moment for sure to get on television anyway. So, especially Next. with the ones like we're still missing guys like Pac, right? Who will be taking up a ton of TV time, or at least he should be once he gets back. So, once uh, the full roster is in and the COVID's over, which, I mean, it's almost election time, so I think it should be soon. So once that happens, we'll be, uh, we'll be back to a full boat, buddy. Next is a backstage promo with Chris Jericho to accept the match next week against Isaiah Cassidy. And MJF interrupts. They have a similar exchange to the exchange they had after the all-out pay-per-view. Um, they both apologized to each other or you know, indicated that they, they were not calling the other a loser. And they ended the segment by getting along. So this seems to be 
teasing something, right? We don't know exactly what it is, whether it's going to be a match between the two eventually or uh, in a prior promo, MJF indicated he might want to join a stable uh, because he was, you know, it feels like that's the best way to get ahead in this company. So you don't know, right? He, is he going to be looking to join the inner circle? Is he going to be looking to take over the inner circle? Is he going to go one-on-one with Jericho? We don't know, right? But it seems like it's planting the seeds for something. So that that I did like. Um, one thing I did not really like in terms of the idea was the 30 years of Chris Jericho celebration that's going to be happening on October the 7th episode of Dynamite. The only reason I wasn't really a huge fan of this is because it just seems exactly like the uh, celebration of friendship. What that was it called? No, the 25 years of Triple H celebration that they did on WWE like a few months back or whatever the hell it was. Um, oh, totally forgot about that. Yeah, where Vince came out and roasted him, but it was like kind of drunk at the end. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, something along those lines. That, that's kind of the only reason. It just seemed like it was like really directly out of that that playbook. Now, I'm sure they're going to do something very different, which is you know when it actually happens, I'll probably change my tune. But just the idea of it seemed like it was a WWE-style um idea that they're going to do for uh for Jericho. but we'll see one way to fix that to me would have been having the inner circle say hey chris we know what's coming up we'd like to throw you a party instead of just AEW announcing it right that would have been better i think for sure yeah but um we'll see what they, i'm sure jericho will pull out something good on uh october the 7th so really quickly to your point jericho and mjf love the segment love those two together i think mjf is like it is a future Chris Jericho, to be honest with you. Next up is the main event. It's the AEW world title match, John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to you here for this one, Mike. You let you kind of give your thoughts on it first. Since I know you're a big fan of Eddie Kingston. I am. I'm a huge fan of Eddie Kingston. And these guys are very familiar with each other from their days of CZW and IWA mid South and stuff like that. And it was kind of, it was everything I anticipated it to be without all of the uh, the outside the ring brawling. It was it was a fight. It was the uh, the strong style, if you will. It was um, very it was Suzuki esque. A um, lot of slaps, a lot of chops, a lot of suplexes. Um, Eddie Kingston's heavily influenced by uh, Kawada. A very, a very a lot of nods to all Japan pro wrestling in this match. I thought it was a really good, really strong match. And I never did I expect Eddie Kingston to win, but I, I think he yeah, had a good showing for himself. So I enjoyed the match. Yeah, I agree with you. Like you said, it was, uh, I had a similar thought as, as I was watching it, that it was a Japanese style type match. They worked really well together. They had a, like, you know, it was, they also in, implemented some brawling type stuff. A lot of, strikes and things like that and moxley ended up winning with a bulldog choke and nice eddie kingston passed out so he could also still say that he never gave up you know that type of thing so that was that was good i thought the match was very good a strong main event and let me just ask you um what do you think about eddie kingston selling in his facials He's, I mean he's very good i mean he's a he's a pro right i mean he's been doing this what they say for 18 years so yeah he you know, he's just he just he seems to be really good at everything and he knows what he's capable of right he doesn't try to do stuff that you know is he's in his life right yeah uh he just he's just very good at his i don't want to say i don't know if it's his character because it might just be who he is i think but. i think eddie kingston is just good at being eddie kingston yeah so um, that that was yeah. very strong i thought 
And his face when he realized he lost, I really thought he was crying at the end of the match. His, his facials are so – there's something so genuine and so real about Eddie Kingston. And if you've been following his career, that, like, that's just who he is. It's not like he went to um, – he goes to uh, AIW and he's like a baby face that, you know, that hugs children. No, he's Eddie Kingston. He's, uh, you know, Outlaw Inc., Mad King, everywhere he goes. And that's very, you know, he loves the Bruiser Brody style. And that's very reminiscent of a Bruiser Brody who went to, you know, territory to territory, being himself, beating the shit out of people. And that's what you get with Eddie Kingston. So I, I really liked it. Yeah. And I should note that this was attended, intended to be a six-man tag match advertised the prior week. It's supposed to be Lance Archer, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks versus John Moxley, Will Hobbs, and Darby Allen. But Archer had announced earlier in the day that he had been diagnosed positive for COVID-19, so he was unable to work this show. He was going to have to quarantine himself for at least two weeks. And this is what they replaced it with. The match after it was over, the Lucha Brothers ran in. Will Hobbs did come in after that to try to save. Um, and then, oh, God, what, Darby, Ricky Starks, Darby Allen. It was a whole big... Uh, mess of people that ran it at the end so maybe this will be setting up a future six or eight man tag i don't know if it'll be next week or the following week whatever it is but that's that's how the show went off the air i also saw i don't know if you saw brian cage said he was sick too um, i did see that they didn't he didn't say covid he said he uh is his stomach or he wasn't feeling like he was sick so that was i think you know the show's live you made the best out of a bad situation and you're taking you know if somebody had a tummy ache a year ago who gives a shit get out there and wrestle now it's like well, you really got to take precautions and you got to be safe. So kudos to AEW for doing that. And for, I mean, they changed up the show, what, four hours beforehand? It was like a Raw rewrite. So I think, you know, for all intents and purposes, they, they, they put on a pretty strong show with the best they could do with that, you know, such a late notice change. Yeah. And uh, pretty soon if they, if they can uh, do rewrites during the show, it'll be like SmackDown. So there you go. <laughs> give me a uh, give me a rating for the show, buddy. One to ten. What do you got? Uh, you know, I went seven and a half. Okay. What do you got? I went six and a half this okay. week. Six and a half this week. I thought the the wrestling in ring was a mixed bag. Um, some some good, some not so good. But they did advance a lot of storylines and set some things up, which is which I think is important. So I went 6.5 for Dynamite this week. If Eddie Kingston wasn't in the show, I would have won 6.5 too. There you go. So now we move on to the 923 edition of NXT. Um, this Almost all the pre-workout, man. I don't know if you can feel the energy coursing through, but I'm back, baby. Sorry I, to cut I, you I, off. Let's I, do this. I feel something. Um, this week on NXT, it, the announcing team is Tom Phillips and Beth Phoenix. Uh, so no Wade Barrett. Uh, this week, no Vic Joseph this week. So I don't know if that's a indication of the COVID running rampant or whatever else was oh, going on. Oh, yeah, but there was another breakout, right? Who knows, man? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on down there. So the uh, first match on the show was a women's battle royal to determine the number one contender to Io Shirai. Before the battle royal takes place, they show backstage that Candice Array attacked Tegan Knox and uh, – attacked her knee specifically and took her out of the battle royal, continuing that storyline. Uh, the women's battle royal then took place. Um, the two things that I noted from this, uh, obviously the, the most thing that the thing that stuck out most was the Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley were kind of dominant in the match in, in terms of eliminations and then eventually eliminated each other uh, during the match. So they have continued 
to go with that storyline now that Mercedes Martinez is no more. Uh, so that what, and... What do you mean he's no more? Where's Mercedes Martinez? She's a part of the Retribution Group, but I don't know what her name is anymore. So I don't want to. I don't want to call her Mercedes Martinez as part of Retribution because her name could be. I don't know what her name could possibly be. So what would you give her a name, real quick, on I on the fly? I want you to give Mercedes Martinez a Retribution name and go. A Retribution name? Yeah. Uh, Shinblade, right? Is that a thing? That's a good one. That's not bad. Yeah. Okay. K- Katana. Right? Can I just need Mortal Kombat characters? Yeah, so, sure. Liu Kang, go for it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was just for those of us who are independent wrestling fans and had followed Evolve and Shine up here in the Northeast or anywhere else around the country, uh, Brandy Lauren and Avery Taylor from those organizations were part of this battle royal as well. So, so um, Brandy Lauren, friend of the All Night Long Wrestling podcast, and she's got a badass All Night Long Wrestling podcast shirt. So she's not just a, an independent star, she's a friend of the show, Joe. Yes. So the uh, Battle Royal came down to Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart with Candice LeRae getting the win. Mike, as a huge Candice LeRae fan, can you give me your thoughts on this and her upcoming title match? 11 stars. 11. I think it was great. Um, Joe, how many times have – how many times have she been in matches? Like Candice LeRae, what is it, uh, always bridesmaid, never a bride kind of gimmick? She'd been in so many ladder matches, battle royals, tournaments, X, Y, and Z to become uh, the champion or a shot. And she never, ever gets – she's always right there. And I've been saying it since they turned her heel. How long has Candace and – have Candace and – I almost said Candace and uh, Joey. How long have Candace and Johnny been heels? Six uh, months? I think uh, – yeah, I mean, Johnny turned – in the match where Ciampa fought Adam Cole, that was earlier in the year. That was and then, COVID time. So, and then Candice turned in the uh, cinematic oh, match, right? So that right. was yeah, right, right in the beginning of of the COVID era. So, so for six months now, I don't want to say they've waited too long, but you can only keep the best women's wrestler you have down for so long before, like, you, you've ran through everybody else. You've given other people title shots; they don't deserve it. Candice has been in there for God knows how many years now, putting in the hard work. The girl deserves a title shot. And not only does she deserve a title shot, it, it, she should win the title. And then you could have her and Tegan Knox feud. I wrote the show for you. Give her the fucking title. <laughs> so she wins, celebrates with Johnny Gargano. The one thing, I guess, is that there's a takeover on October the 4th, so which is only – a week and a half away at this point. So they, this show was done to establish challengers for all the titles. So that'll be kind of a theme during the course of the night. So Candace wins this takeovers, October the 4th. There's a backstage promo with Damian priest. He's going to be facing Johnny Gargano for the North American title at the next takeover. And he's going to be facing Austin theory on the show tonight. It's takeover 31, right? Uh, yeah. Joe, Call me, call me an idiot. You have TakeOver 31 on October 31st. You call it Halloween Havoc. Done. Who the... This shit writes itself, Joe. And as you can tell, the pre-workout is kicking in very fierce. I am fucking motivated, baby. That, what about, you have Damian Priest, who's a, uh, fucking a vampire. You have Finn Balor, who's the demon. All this shit could be on TakeOver on Halloween Havoc. 
You put a cool Halloween Havoc set. You set it up like you have the name. What are we doing, Joe? What are we doing? <laughs> Fuck. Um, I'm so mad when it's right in front of your face. Tommaso Ciampa defeated Jake Atlas. Jake in Atlas, a, baby. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's going to be like this the rest of the show, isn't it? That's how this is going to be. I'm going right. to hold on, Joe. All right. Um, Champa won the match. It was, you know, it was competitive for a few minutes. This had been set up the prior week. Jake Atlas challenged Ciampa after he had attacked him previously. Um, Ciampa won with a fairy tale ending, but it was kind of a little bit of a weird fairy tale ending. I don't know if it was the way Atlas took the bump or, or whatever, but um, Ciampa wasn't got it, the win. Wasn't it the move that Marty did? The Marty school. What do you call that move? When he had him in the underhook and then he picked him up and he flipped him. I thought it was like, I don't know if it was graduation or something like that. Yeah, yeah, graduation. He hit the Marty Scrum move. Uh, I, I liked it. I mean, it was a quick five minutes. Atlas got a lot of motivation in. Motivation. Hello. A lot of, I don't even, <laughs> a lot of offense in. Um, and he, he looked good. He also cut a really good promo last week or the week before, whatever it was. He's very, very comfortable on the mic. I think his entrance could use a little bit of work because he looks like generic creator wrestler number two. But um, it was uh, it was a good match, and I think it was, it was really good for as quick as it was. You can see that Tiger blood is really, really starting to get in the veins there. Um, next was a video package on Ridge Holland, who would later have a match on this show, oh, followed great. by a tag team match. This so, shit, don't even... My understanding of the match, which was booked by Fandango, <laughs> by the way. Uh, Sherlock. <laughs> he was dressed up as Sherlock Holmes, though, right? Yeah. So it's basically like a, a mixed, you know, a mix of two tag teams on each side, right? So it's Roderick Strong representing the Undisputed Era and Danny Birch from uh, Lorcan and Birch versus Fabian Eichner from Imperium and Raul Mendoza. And the winners of the match, whichever team won the match, those respective teams would then face each other in the future. And that match winner would get a shot at the tag team champions Brizongo. That's how I understood this to be. You want my opinion on this? <clears throat> That's what we're here for. I want you to I want you to um to let me know what you think of my opinion. NXT is becoming too reliant on what I'll call the fuckery to get a new uh, champion or challenger. They're too reliant on your scramble matches. You're too reliant on your 47-way ladder matches. You're too reliant on uh, whatever you just said. To me, you build up a challenger by having a challenger compile wins to face the champion. If once in a while you want to do, like how many women's battle royals ladder matches, all of this shit has their bent to determine a number one contender instead of just having a woman win consecutive matches to get to that spot. This, uh, a Fandango booked, uh, what, the, what the fuck, are, what is, what, what does that even mean? Why is, what, what's going on, Joe? <laughs> well, the two things that I really were, were thinking, you know, as a, as a reason or whatever they were trying to figure out to do this was one, like you said, they have a takeover coming up on October the 4th um, and they had not established any challengers to any of these things yet. So they had to come up with all these things to get challengers ready to go. And by the end of the show, 
they had them all, but uh, it's a short turnaround for TakeOver. The second thing I wonder also with this match is because they were doing the mixed match partner stuff, it makes me wonder if certain guys were not able to work or appear because of COVID. Um, and I, it made me wonder, like, if some of these tag partners couldn't work, um, you know, Tyler Breeze was not there, right? Bobby Fish did not appear on the show at all, um, even at the end of the show. So it, I just wondered if that was kind of the reason. Um, but they said that the, the two teams would face each other at a future point. They didn't say when. Uh, so they didn't even necessarily say that this was going to be like next week. It'll be so strong and Birch won the match. So it means that it's going to be undisputed era versus only Lorcan and Danny Birch. And the winner of that match will get a tag title shot, but they didn't say when they just said future date. So that makes me think that they might not even do it next week. Um, and then it might not even be for the next takeover if they don't, if they don't announce it. Cause may, and that's, maybe that's the reason why I don't know. That's, and that's a good point. But the thing is like, I, you know, again, not comparing the two, but like with Lance Archer, he was like, listen, I came into contact with somebody who's got COVID. I can't make it. This, that's the truth. Like with WWE, you don't know. Like there, no, you're not allowed to say anything. AJ Styles said he had COVID on Twitch and fucking shut down Twitch. So I, you don't know. And you're trying to kayfabe us, I guess, if that's what the WWE is trying to do. But tell me that's why your show is different. Don't, I don't know. I, I just, I appreciate the, um, the visibility in AEW a little bit more about just being honest and open with things as you know, cause everybody's like, why the fuck is Eddie Kingston getting a title shot? It's like, Oh, okay. Because Lance Archer got COVID and Brian Cage is hurt. And this makes sense. But that's a good point. I didn't think about um, what you said. Cause I didn't hear them say future title, future date. So that would make sense to me as unfortunate as it is. But aside from this, I still feel like they've been relying too heavily on the scrambles and that kind of thing to determine a title challenger because they don't have really any one person making headway that's just winning singles matches or especially tag teams. How many times have Imperium won and lost and won and lost? Like they don't give people a chance to, uh, you know, long term to build momentum, I feel like. Yep. Makes sense. I um next up is a backstage awesome theory promo and Johnny Gargano uh jumps into that and kind of gives him a little of encouragement to try to soften up Damian Priest for his upcoming North American title match. That did not work. Damian Priest defeated Austin Theory uh in the match. Yeah, you know, it was it was competitive as you would expect, but then after the match was over, Gargano attacked Damian Priest and beat him down. It was there. That's all I got for you. Next was an interesting little promo vignette uh, that they showed for someone who seems to be debuting slash returning on October the 4th, which is when the takeover takes place. Was it RoboCop? I don't think it's RoboCop. They indicate, it seemed to indicate that it was somebody who was previously in NXT. I think they, that person's voice said he helped build it. Um, I wasn't sure if it was a previous champion or not. So it makes me feel like someone's returning to NXT but they didn't really indicate who it was. So a little mystery there. I thought that was interesting. I don't know who that would be. And uh, I'm curious to find out who might be uh, coming back. I'm a sucker for things like this. Who done it's all that kind of shit. Murder mysteries, bring it on. I like surprises. Let's do it. Next I'll tell you is, what I don't like, Joe. I'll tell you, go ahead. <laughs> I know uh, what, what's next, but go ahead. Next is a squash match for Ridge Holland. Last seen attempting murder on Johnny Gargano on NXT a few weeks, a month back. Um, quick squash for the big guy here to try to establish him as a player here in NXT. He sucks. Um, 
It is a quick squash because I feel like if it went longer than two minutes, uh, Antonio uh, DeLuca would probably be dead. Uh, not for nothing. He kills Johnny Gargano on a power slam. You know, it's a good idea. Give him a fucking snowplow as a finisher. Like, <laughs> it just seems like, hey, let's try this every single week. To me, it seems like Rich Holland is, um, what does that, that mean? Like, if you ordered Wardlow off a wish, you'd get Rich Holland kind of deal. He seems, uh, I didn't, and I'm that's not saying too much about Wardlow. I just, I'm not a big, I like the gimmick, the uh, Peaky Blinders gimmick. I just don't really care for Ridge Holland yet. All righty. Well, then let's go to the Gauntlet main event. And uh, it is for the number one contender spot for the uh, NXT championship. So the winner of this, I believe, is going to get the title shot at October the 4th, uh, takeover pay-per-view. So it starts with Kyle O'Reilly and Kushida. Um, and then a few minutes later, we have your friend and mine, Bronson Reed, uh, enters the match. Bro Reed. Bo Reed. There you go. Um, d- during the sequence, while the three of them were wrestling, Velveteen Dream Ski entered the match and interfered in the match. He was not a part of the match. Interfered in the match, attacked Kushida, and Bronson Reed pinned Kushida to eliminate him. All right. Full disclosure trying to watch this morning i missed the last eight minutes of the show i know who won so this one we can make this quick go ahead all right next enter entrant is timothy thatcher followed by cameron grimes um you know again these there's a lot of you know mixing matching going on here but the rest of the match really was a showcase for kyle o'reilly as a singles competitor right so this is one of the first opportunities that he's had in a singles position he ends up defeating Bronson Reed, Timothy Thatcher, and then taps out Cameron Grimes. So Kyle O'Reilly is now the number one contender to Finn Balor. Uh, Adam Cole and Roderick Strong come out to celebrate with O'Reilly, giving me a uh, pause to see if they were going to turn on him or not, but that did not happen. And then Finn Balor comes out to end the show basically with a stare down from the uh, aisle And uh, it looks like it's going to be Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT championship next. If you told me in 2015, I'd be watching NXT and a promotion called AEW on a Wednesday night where Eddie Kingston and Kyle O'Reilly main event back-to-back shows. I probably would have cried. Um, I love Kyle O'Reilly. He's one of my favorite wrestlers and people in the entire world. Nobody deserves it better. And the chemistry he had with Kushida, Thatcher was off the charts and what I saw. I can't wait to go back and finish the match. Nobody deserves the win more. Do I see Kyle O'Reilly beating Finn Balor? Probably not. Do I see an undisputed era heel turn coming? Probably. Um, That being said, uh, from what I saw of this main event, it was great. Joe, as somebody who watched it, did it continue to be as great as it started when I was two-thirds of the way through? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was very good. I mean, you know, you could you could see when they do things like this to try to establish or put new guys over and give them strong in-ring performances like this where, you know, O'Reilly ended up defeating three out of the four other people in the gauntlet match and through different means, right? He tapped out Grimes, you know, he caught Thatcher in a, like a roll-up, right? Or he kind of trapped him. So things, things like that. Um, I thought it was a very, you know, good way to establish O'Reilly as a singles competitor, which, I, you know, again, he's been that in other promotions like Ring of Honor, PWG. So he's, he's, he knows how to do that, and he's very good at it in general. Um, so I'm anxious to see the match itself against Balor. I agree with you that I don't think he's going to win the title, um, but he's certainly a very, very capable wrestler. He's one of our favorites. 
Um, I'm excited for him to have the opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly going to watch the takeover pay-per-view regardless, but it makes me look forward to, to that match as the main event. Agreed. I hope he gets a huge payday out of it too. Um, what do you give the show? I gave it a six. Uh, okay. I thought the in-ring stuff itself was probably more consistent than AEW, but uh, overall, as we were discussing, just kind of the you know rushing to get these contenders in there. It, AEW had more storyline development and, adma- and advancement for me, and so in spite of the fact that some of the matches were a little bit clunky, I thought overall AEW was a better show. So I went with six for NXT, and AEW is the narrow victory for the night for me i went with a seven for nxt um mainly because my two favorites candace and kyle are in big spots very similar to how i gave aw higher score because of eddie kingston but i agree with everything you said um the continuity of aw and it flowed better and it set things up better down the line than eight than nxt has for next week so, but not neither show. I mean, both shows were good. No shows were like blow me out of the water. Great. But for this week, Thursday mornings at the slop shop, AEW gets the Duke from both of us. Um, I'm going to jump out of my skin right now. Um, as per, I've got 400 milligrams of caffeine, a beta, six grams of beta alanine coursing through my body. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get to working out. You're going to get to steal on the show. We are the all night long wrestling podcast. You can find us everywhere at all night long WP. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Make sure you check out wrestlingheadlines.com, which is our parent company. They do great things for us and follow them on YouTube to catch our show every single week. That's it for another edition of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. We are your host. He's a stallion. I'm the enforcer, and we are tapping out.